Welcome to the Fitness Pain-Free Show, where I help physical therapists learn how to get their clients out of pain and back to training the gym. My name is Dan Pope, and I'll be your instructor. I'm a physical therapist, coach, and fellow meetup. I love training just as much as you do and want to help you get all of your patients out of pain and back to the gym where they belong. Oh, hello, hello. Welcome to the Fitness Pain-Free Show. Today, we're going over an evidence-based guide to stretching. This is a review of an article by Bianco et al., The Relationship Between Stretching Typology and Stretching Duration, The Effects on Range of Motion. Let's get rolling. So first and foremost, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your support. You allow me to do what I love for a living. My name is Dan Pope. I'm a physical therapist, coach, personal trainer, and meathead. I love fitness. I love lifting weights. This is the Fitness Pain-Free Show where we help coaches and physical therapists like you get your patients out of pain and back to training. If you are watching this on YouTube, please hit that like button, comment, and subscribe to the channel. If you're listening to the podcast, please give a five-star review. It's much appreciated. So if you want to go that extra mile and support the channel even further, please consider subscribing to my premium membership, Fitness Pain for Insiders. It's a comprehensive educational resource and toolkit for the fitness and rehab professional. So I think Netflix, but for trainers and physical therapists. It's premium content from yours truly. I make all the content on there. And it's similar content to the show, but way more in-depth. It's updated monthly. I've been updating this thing for the past five or so years, and there's a lot on there. There's 100 plus webinars, ebooks, and complete guides. You also have access to a private Facebook group to have all of your questions answered by me. You also get a chance to decide upcoming podcast topics. So if there's something you really want to learn more about, hear me go in depth about, let me know. I can do that. And you can get started for just $1 for a week-long trial. And after that, it's a recurring membership of $9.99, all right? You can cancel at any time, all right? I won't be uh, upset if you do. And if you want to get started, all you need to do is head to fitnesspainfree.com, click on the programs link, and then click on the Fitness Pain-Free Insiders Online Library and get started. So why are we talking about stretching? right? Stretching seems to be this moot point. No one stretches anymore. We do all sorts of other things. We don't stretch, right? Well, here's probably the reason why stretching is not so popular anymore, right? So static stretching as part of a warm-up does not influence injury rates, and we have a decent amount of research to show this, okay? And if you don't know this, it's, it's important that you do, right? I can make an argument for certain individuals that have a specific injury with a specific mobility limitation that's keeping them from doing a certain exercise and causing one structure to get kind of overworked. But in general, if you throw in stretching as part of a warm-up, it doesn't really change your risk of injury, right? The other piece is that we've learned more and more about what stretching does to a muscle, and it generally does not change the muscle's structure, right? Most of the changes that occur within the muscle are due to changes in the nervous system, or really the tolerance to stretch from stretching for a period of time, okay? It doesn't actually lengthen the muscle tissue or add contractile units in series. The other piece is that static stretching has really been shown to reduce power output, right? Especially if you're stretching for longer durations. So if I stretch a lot and then try to sprint, or if I stretch a lot for long duration, try to squat a maximal load, my power actually goes down, right? 
So this has kind of led to dynamic stretching being more popular just because uh, if you compare dynamic stretching with static stretching, you get a similar short-term improvement in range of motion, but you don't get that power reduction. However, and we'll talk about this um, throughout the course of this entire uh, lecture, is that static stretching does have better longer-term effects. And lastly, ballistic stretching has actually been shown to improve vertical jump performance. So when I talk about stretching, oftentimes I'm really talking about static stretching. All this research kind of shows like, well, should we really static stretch anymore? Is static stretching really useless? Well, here's kind of my argument. What does stretching actually do? So stretching improves the range of motion of a given muscle. Okay, it's not going to reduce injury. Okay, it's not going to change the muscle architecture. It's not going to improve your performance, generally speaking, right? So why is this important? Well, really, some people need more mobility to optimize technique and performance. I work with a lot of Olympic weightlifters, CrossFit individuals, meatheads in general, people who love working out in the gym. If you've ever tried to do a snatch and you have any sort of mobility problem, you'll find right away that it is extremely difficult to do the movement, okay? You need to have a ton of mobility to be able to snatch an overhead squat well, right? If you've ever worked with someone trying to get better at clean and jerk, you'll see the same thing for the front rack. Some folks can nail this no problem, and other people it's like absolutely impossible to do, right? Uh, if you're trying to hit a deep squat, that's another area where you need a lot of mobility. Even some folks have mobility limitation in the deadlift where they can't get to the barbell comfortably, right? Uh, from an overhead perspective, certain overhead lifts are gonna require more mobility to perform properly. And last piece, and I took this uh, directly from the study that we're going over today, um, you have an average 10% decrease in flexibility every 10 years across your lifespan. So you're actively getting stiffer, 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 stiffer as you age, unless you really do something about it. So I think uh, I really love this saying, uh, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. So basically that means there's all of these negatives that have come out about stretching, right? But there's still some positives and it's still worthwhile for certain individuals. So, so I think we should probably still talk about this and figure out how to best implement it, right? So uh, one of the main reasons why uh, these folks did this study and one of the things that I was so interested in, it's one of the reasons why I cite this article all the time, is that we need to understand uh, what are the best parameters for stretching, right? So here's the thing. If you're trying to get a better, let's say, one rep max deadlift, should you go into the gym and try to max out every single day, maybe even twice a day? Is that going to allow you to get the best possible deadlift over the course of time? Or will you crash and burn because there's too much training volume intensity? Probably the latter, right? Should I deadlift once a month? Is that the best way to do it? Maybe, I'm not sure. I would say probably once a week, maybe twice a week is probably the best thing. There's probably a sweet spot, right? And you probably wanna incorporate um, specific accessory exercises, right? You wanna be able to recover properly. There's a lot that goes into that program to optimize it, okay? But I don't think we put a lot of thought into optimizing our mobility or stretch programs, right? So what is optimal? There's a whole bunch of different types of stretching. You have static stretching, you have PNF stretching, you have ballistic stretching, there's dynamic stretching, there's eccentrics, there's foam rolling. And eccentrics and foam rolling were not included in this study, unfortunately. I kind of wish they were, right? You have durations. So should I stretch for 30 seconds, 60 seconds, 120 seconds? Should I do one set, three sets, right? Should I be stretching every single day, twice a week? What's the best parameter, right? Because for most things, you have to find that right dosage in order to make uh, best progress. But we don't really fully know that. So this article is trying to figure that out, right? 
So what were the study goals? We already talked about these a little bit, uh, but generally speaking, there's many forms of stretch, right? We mentioned static, PNF, ballistic stretch, dynamic stretching, and these are all pretty well researched, but mostly for short-term effects, not as much for the long-term, right? And what we're trying to figure out is what is the best type of stretch for the long-term and what are the best parameters for these stretches, right? So what do they define these stretches as? Because they really looked at a lot of different studies. We'll talk about that a bit later. And a lot of the stretching uh, techniques are all over the place, right? So what do they define as a static stretch? It's holding a stretch for a prolonged period. This could be active or passive. Active would be holding that stretch yourself with your own muscles, whereas passive is just relaxing to that stretch where we were stretching the muscle without actually contracting your own muscles, right? Now in the study, they actually had a static stretch category for active and passive, and then just a generic static stretch if there wasn't good uh, descriptions of what the actual stretching was. So there's a little gray area there. Take that with a, a grain of salt. Uh, ballistic stretching was defined as a form of static or dynamic stretching performed in a bouncing motion, which I gotta be honest, um, if it's ballistic by nature, it's probably not static, but that's what the research study said, right? And last one is proprioceptive neuromuscular facilitation or PNF, right? A lot of folks call this a contract relax, which is a form of stretching that involves a stretching and a contraction of the muscle being targeted. Let's say if we're stretching your hamstring, you lay on your back, we bring your, your, um, your leg into hip flexion with the leg straight, stretch the hamstring. I tell you to push into me. So you're contracting, contracting, but I'm not letting you move. And then I say, Hey, relax. Then we relax and we go a little further and we do that several times. That's what the contract relax is generally. So this was a systematic review. So keep in mind, they use a lot of different articles and they included articles from 95 to 2015. This article was published in 2018. I kind of imagine it took them a few years to put together an enormous amount of work. Uh, thank you guys for doing this. I really appreciate it. Glad I wasn't the one that was doing this. Um, of the people that were in the study, they're age 18 to 46 years old, and there was a minimum intervention of four weeks. And this is important because a lot of the stretch research is just short-term effects. This was focusing on the long-term effects. It had to be at least four weeks, and I think 16 weeks was the longest study they used. Need to make sure the stretching was well-defined. If they didn't define what type of stretch they were using, they just threw the study out, which, you know, I think that's a good thing because some of this stuff is, it's hard uh, to figure out exactly what stretch they did just by reading this study. If any of the studies are including folks that had pathology or they're looking at more acute changes, so stretch and then measure immediately afterwards, those studies were excluded, right? They ended up including 51 total articles. So what stretches were studied? So five of the articles looked at active stretching. Two studies were looking at ballistic stretching. Seven articles analyzed passive stretching. Two articles analyzed PNF, and seven articles analyzed static stretching. Right? What tests and measures were they using? So generally speaking, you have to test your flexibility, do the intervention, the stretch, and then test again. So a couple problems, and we'll talk about this limitations. But all of the tests and measurements were in the lower body. Right? And generally speaking, they focused on the hip and the ankle. And in the hip, it was mostly the hamstring. So nine studies were focused on the hip. They were looking at the hamstring muscles. And the way they measured this was a passive straight leg raise, as well as a sit and reach. And they also did a passive 90-90 knee extension, which imagine laying on your back, bend your hip up to 90 degrees, bend the knee at 90 degrees, and slowly expend the, extend the knee until you hit uh, your max range of motion. Right, And then four studies were looking at ankle dorsiflexion range of motion, and predominantly they were looking at the gastroc muscle. And the way they measured that is you would go against the wall, back leg, 
would be uh, where one leg's behind you, heels down on the floor, knee is straight, see how much you can bend the ankle. So a traditional gastroc stretch, and they would just measure how much bend they have at the ankle there. So what are the results of this study? Well, this is kind of cool. All stretches improved range of motion after four weeks. So every single stretch that they looked at had some sort of change in range of motion. But here's what's kind of cool, right? Static stretching was the most superior. So over the course of the, stud, or of the uh, studies they chose, it had an average of a 20% change in someone's flexibility, whereas ballistic stretching was an 11% change on average, and PNF stretching was a 15% change on average, right? Um, and that's kind of cool to me because we, we tend to poo-poo on static stretching, saying that there's better forms of stretching, when in reality, static stretching is potentially better than all the other forms of stretching that we know of right now, right? How about duration in session? How long should I be holding this stretch? So what they found is that 30 to 60 seconds was kind of the sweet spot, right? And if you held it any more than that, it didn't give you better results. So if I held it for 120 seconds or I held it for, you know, five minutes, didn't change my range of motion in the long term, which is kind of cool because I don't necessarily need to do more than 30 to 60 seconds in one session, right? How about duration per week? Right. And what they showed is that a minimum of five minutes per week was needed for significant changes. If I wasn't doing at least five minutes per week, then I wasn't getting a change. And what they found was that five to 10 minutes was going to be the greatest amount of flexibility change. And if I went for greater than 10 minutes, it didn't make a change. So five to 10 minutes is really the sweet spot for stretching. So how about the duration? How long should I stretch for? So generally speaking, we need to have about four weeks of stretching to make a change. And the longer the program is, the greater the improvements, right? So the longest study um, that they had in this systematic review was 16 weeks. And generally speaking, the longer that you held these stretches over the course of time, uh, the better you end up doing. What's optimal from a frequency perspective? How many days per week should I stretch? And what they showed was five to seven days per week was most optimal. I think six was actually the most optimal, but that wasn't uh, statistically significant. And seven days was actually worse than six. So five to six is probably the best, although you know it doesn't make a difference. Somewhere between five and seven is probably what you're looking for, right? So what are the limitations of this study? Uh, well, you know, there's a bunch, right? Uh, first and foremost, they're only looking at the lower body, right? I do a ton of mobility work in the upper body for folks that have trouble with, let's say, overhead mobility or shoulder mobility and let's say a deep dip. Those are very important to me. I also think that mobility in thoracic spine is really important too. They were not assessing any of those things. So it's really, really hard to say like, you know, these are the best stretches that you should use because the research shows they are the best. Well, only for the hamstring and the ankle, really right? Maybe a couple other places in the lower body, but uh, generally speaking, we're not looking at the upper body, we're not looking at the areas I think are important to stretch for my population, right? It's a good start, not perfect. The other piece is that you're looking at passive measures of flexibility, right? And I think people use that just because it's, it's easy to measure, right? It's easy to measure something like a sit and reach, or it's easy to measure something like a straight leg raise. Um, the sit and reach was really the only active measurement, but in reality, I'd love to see something like um, an overhead squat, right? And see how that improves. I'd actually like to see some other measures like hip flexion is important to me. I like how they did ankle dorsiflexion, but I'm really more concerned with the soleus, right? Or a bent knee ankle dorsiflexion. That would have been really nice for me. So I would have liked to see some other tests and I would like to see some active tests too. Uh, the other piece is that there was no foam rolling or eccentrics as a comparison. I really enjoy utilizing foam rolling eccentrics as part of a, a complete 
uh, mobility program, and you just didn't see that as a comparison. So uh, maybe at some point in the future, someone can do an, an astronomical amount of work and try to compile all of those studies and compare them against uh, the ones that these guys use and you know figure it all out for us. So what are the conclusions or clinical takeaways from this? Well, first and foremost, um, stretching really is an effective uh, way to get long-term change in passive range of motion. I guess in some ways active if you're looking at a sit and reach, right? Um, the big thing here is that static stretching was more effective than other forms of stretching in the study. It took at least four weeks to make a change, right? A lot of folks will start stretching and then they won't make a change. And I'll say, well, how long were you stretching for? And they'll say, oh, about two weeks. I'm like, well, you got to give it a little longer. It takes more time to make that change, right? If I'm trying to make my biceps grow and I just do bicep curls for two weeks, that's probably not going to give me a good long-term change. I need to do it for longer, right? Uh, 30 to 60 seconds of stretch, just one set is sufficient for changes in range of motion in the long term over longer time periods. Five to 10 minutes of stretching per week is kind of the sweet spot. And five to seven days per week is also optimal, right? So what do I do as a physical therapist when someone comes into me and they say, hey, I need to get you know, my snatch uh, a little bit better, right? I have a hard time getting to the right positions. So I assess them and say, yes, you do have some mobility limitations. We kind of write down the areas that are most limited. And then I design a stretching program for these folks. And here's the thing. I use static stretching. I think static stretching is one of the strongest tools we have to change mobility. And I will follow the guidelines in this paper. So the same things I just read off to you, I will follow those guidelines when I prescribe stretches, right? But here's the other thing. I also use some other interventions, and I'll, I'll do some more fitness pain-free shows about these interventions in the future, but I like to add in foam rolling and eccentric work. You know, we've got research to show that eccentrics work as well as static stretching, and you don't have to do them as frequently to make a change, which is phenomenal. The other thing is I add loaded stretching or just weight training through a full range of motion, right? So if I'm doing pull-ups, let's say I'm doing like a supinated grip pull-up, so an underhand pull-up with a full hang at the very bottom, you're getting a pretty good stretch of those muscles and it's loaded, right? Do the same thing with squatting. We go uh, into the very bottom position of a squat and we pause there or we do some tempo work and we make sure that we're getting as deep as we possibly can. And I think that's a phenomenal way to build A, strength, uh, B, technique, but C, mobility. We're probably building all of those things, right? And the other thing to think about is that we're probably creating some sort of ligamentous laxity by training, right? And I don't know if this is a good or bad thing, but if you look at sports that have like an overhead throw or overhead strike, so I'm talking about things like tennis, volleyball, uh, baseball, pitchers especially, they will acquire some anterior instability or laxity of the glenohumeral joint. And the reason why they do this is they're constantly at end ranges of motion all the time, throwing baseballs or with a tennis racket, whatever that is. And we know that actually loosens up the ligaments, right? The capsule in our shoulder. So I imagine the same thing is happening in let's say an Olympic weightlifting athlete that's snatching. So I'm in almost end range abduction, external rotation when I'm catching a barbell overhead. You know, it, over the course of time, I really feel like we're probably gaining a little bit of laxity there. And we have a little bit of research to show that's already happening in folks that do weight training, right? So I think just by training, 
uh, through a full range of motion, trying to do the movements that you want to do over the course of time, you probably will build a little bit of mobility. Although I definitely add in these targeted uh, mobility programs with static stretching, eccentrics, foam rolling, all that stuff to the joints and muscles that are limited, right? If you want to see kind of exactly how I put together a program, you can check out some of my four-week mobility programs. Uh, they're on sale on my site. So definitely take a look if you want to check those out. Okay, so here are the references. I'm going to make my face get out of the way here for now just so you can read this. So I've got uh, a few studies here, and they were mentioned in the very beginning. If you want, you can go ahead and pause this and just type in the names of the studies into PubMed or into Google. They'll pop up for you, and hopefully if you want to read them, you can. Let's bring my face back up here. Let's go down one. So that is it, guys. Thank you very, very much for joining me today. Uh, I love learning and I love teaching. So thank you very much for watching this. It really does allow me to continue doing what I love for a living, right? Uh, if you're looking for the name of this article, it's right there. Again, thank you for your support. If you're watching this from YouTube, please give this video a thumbs up. I'd love to hear your feedback on this study. What are your thoughts? Use static stretching, use other things. I'd love to know, right? Please consider subscribing to the channel. That helps me out a ton. Plus, you stay up to date with all new videos that come out over the course of time. If you're listening to this via a podcast, please rate and review. It means a lot to me. Thank you very much, guys, and goodbye.